and welcome to Drinking Well, a podcast by Berry Brothers and Rudd with me, Hannah Crosby. We're delighted to be recording our second series right here in our historic home in St. James's. Together, we'll be uncorking and discussing the wines our experts have pilled from their own collections, each from a wine region you may not have discovered, but undoubtedly deserves to be on your radar. For this week's episode, we sit down with our buyers, Max Lalandrel and Adam Bruntlett, to discuss a French wine region that's on the up, the Loire. The region is famous for its renditions of Cabernet Franc and Chenin Blanc, but increasingly, its terroir-focused single vineyard wines are becoming very important to wine lovers around the globe. Today, armed with a bottle of 2020 Sancerre from Claude Ruffaut, Adam and Max are here to make the case for Loire wine. Max, Adam, welcome back to Drinking Well, and thank you for sitting down with me to explore why wine from the Loire is becoming the new collectible French wine. Adam, listeners will remember you from our first series on our Burgundy episode, but you're here today because you hold a particular fondness for the wines of the Loire. Can you tell us a bit about the first time you visited? The first trip I ever did, really in a serious buying sense, was to the Loire Valley. And uh, we started off, actually, it was a a lot of driving, drove all the way down, but we we started off in Champagne, then went across to, uh, or down a bit to, to Chablis, visited a couple of people there, then headed west to Puy, Mm-hmm. Sur and Sancerre, which are only about an hour and a half drive from Chablis. Really? Um, yeah, the regions are very close to, to each other, both geographically and I mean, stylistically. I think they share quite a bit of soil type in common as well. And I, I often think Chablis and Sancerre have a lot more in common than, than maybe Chablis and, and the Cote d'Or. But yeah, we, we then drove, spent a week all the way along the Loire and it was great. You have so many different styles and great varieties. Mm-hmm. And I think the welcome from the people was great as well. Everywhere we went, People were sort of fighting over each other to be able to invite us to lunch or dinner. It's a really friendly attitude from the growers and um, it's a very personal area that I really like and hold very mm. dear. Before I started buying Burgundy, I definitely had more passion for the Loire initially and it's something that I'm really excited that actually there is an increasing interest from serious wine collectors in the Loire now so that I can really bring that passion a bit more mm. to our customers. So Max, listeners will remember you from our first ever episode. Feels so long ago, we recorded a video call, but we're finally together in this beautiful location, St. James's. And for this episode, we're recording from a room called The Parlour. Could you tell us a little bit about it and the kind of things that we can see? So so The Parlour is an old wooden room, which is, you know, filled with history. And then as you look on the wall, there's there's a lot of portraits and old bottles and and which which retrace the, the history of the building, but also also the families uh, across across the centuries, and it's an amazing room. We have we have three or four of these rooms um, as you come through St James's Number Three, which we use to obviously for entertainment. So mm. we we have our customers coming through and we discuss their requirements. But actually, as I said, um, th- these are kind of a all styles uh, all styles surgery rooms as mm. you would have with your GP you would just come in and then talk about your your wine needs rather than <laughs> any uh, health issue that you may have so so and we we very much still use them as such and and we we actually maintain them and rebuild them to make sure that customer come through they get a feel of the business the history and and then mm. we can discuss with them their, their requirement for for wine collecting mm, inviting them into the amazing wood paneled world of Barry Brothers and Rudd exactly and so let's move on to the reason that we're here um wines from the Loire. So Adam, you've said before that there are quite a few incorrect like preconceptions people have about wines from the region, but talked about this real difference between old and new Loire wine. Can you explain what you mean by this? Yeah, I think 
possibly because of the relative proximity of the Loire to Paris. Mm -hmm. A lot of wines that were produced there were destined for the Parisian market and and essentially for bistros and brasseries. So Mm -hmm. um, these were wines that would have been been shipped in barrel to the restaurant. They would have several barrels per year um, and the wine would be served direct from from the barrel. And often they were wines that um, were quite young and the wines were made sort of for, for a very early drinking. I think there's a perception that you know, a Chinon or a, a Sancerre or a Sauvignon Touraine or a Muscadet should be drunk very early and, and within a, a couple of years of, of uh, bottling. But I do think there's been a, a real movement um, towards making wines that are a bit more serious, can we say that? Um, yeah, yeah. But, but more structured and age-worthy. At the same time as there's been quite a strong movement towards more sustainable viticulture, it's really surprising because the Loire is probably one of the hardest re- regions to work organically without chemical um, assistance because it's quite wet and cold, mm-hmm. um, which means there's a lot of disease pressure. But there's actually a huge movement of, of organic uh, winemakers there. So I think there's definitely been a, a concerted effort um, across um, the whole of the Loire, really, by by younger people generally to mm. to move towards a making wines organically and b making wines of a, a higher quality and a more um, structured style that, that that's age worthy. Um, I mean, there there have always been great wines that age really well in the Loire. Um, mm-hmm. I've had great wines from Demenuet um, and some you know, really old Bonzo and Moulin Touche, Coteau de Leon wines um, in white. So Chenin can age very well, and then red. I've had some great old Bourgogne in the past and, yeah. and, and Chinois as well. So the ageing potential is there, but the vast majority of the wines were made relatively in this younger drinking style. Mm. Well, Adam, we tasked you with bringing along just one bottle from your own collection to help us understand this huge shift in winemaking in the Loire. What have you brought in for us? So I've brought in um, a wine from a grower who I'm really excited about and have been for quite a few years in Sancerre. This is uh, made by Stéphane Rifo. The domain is domain Claude Rifo, which is the name of his father. I chose you know, th- this wine because I think it represents some of that shift from early drinking wines to making quite serious terroir focused and organically made wines. So Sancerre, I think, has a bit of a, uh, the, the kind of brand recognition around Sancerre is a kind of double-edged sword in that it makes the wines very easy to sell, but it also leads to quite a bit of complacency in, in winemaking. It's very easy to sell your wines. So in the past, there's been a really small number of growers who are making wines or using organic viticulture because it's too big of a risk mm-hmm. um, to, to lose the crop um, and it's much easier to just rely on, on chemicals. But it's slowly kind of changing and, and, and there are more and more growers who are working to organic principles and making wines of a higher quality, reducing yields, picking by hand, making the wines in a more serious way using barrels or large concrete tanks rather than stainless steel. And this has all come from the sun's involvement in the winery now. What was it like before? Before the wines were sound, good examples of Sancerre, but generally the wines were blended together um, into sort of rough soil type selections. So they had a few different cuvées, but they weren't single vineyard wines. And Stefan has taken a more Burgundian approach. The wines now are made in a much more parcel selection way so looking at individual vineyards and there's a lot more use of large oak barrels Mm -hmm. foudres which are sort of they vary in size um, from what he's got but anything from the equivalent of a few barrels to Mm. to 10 20 barrels um, and concrete tanks and concrete eggs so just containers rather than stainless steel tanks as they had before that these 
different types of, of fermentation and aging vessel, give the wine a bit more character, more oxygenation during the, the winemaking process. And you tend to get a bit more texture, body and more complexity in the wine, more lees contact during the process. So you, you get that, that extra density and weight. So this particular wine is called Monoparcel 469, which uh, is a rather mysterious name. The Monoparcel is it's a single parcel, a single block of vines. 469 is the number, the, the cadastral number, which Stefan has shown me the, the map. It, it refers to this particular parcel, which is in a vineyard called Les Sentiers. It's a south-facing vineyard, quite steeply sloped. The vines here are 65 years old, old Massel selection Sauvignon Blanc. It's a relatively recent acquisition for him. He, he took it on from a, from a retiring vigneron who'd been selling his grapes to the co-op. Converted to organic uh, once he bought it, and then um, and then yes. Yeah, so the first vintage um, I think we had of this was 2018. Mm. And yeah, this is this is made in a mixture of larger barrels and and foudre. Quite a long aging because often with Sancerre, the kind of commercial style of Sancerre, the grapes are picked, then fermented, often using cultured yeasts, which are sort of selected yeasts from a lab rather than rather than indigenous um, yeasts that are present in the in the cellar or in the wine uh, the vineyard and then often using things like enzymes to get them through fermentation quickly um, and bottled frequently in January or February without much aging or, or lees contact and it produces a quite in my opinion a, a less interesting style of wine um, with a lot of Sauvignon Blanc varietal character pushing towards the New Zealand style quite mm-hmm. frequently there's been a lot of movement towards that to kind of jump on that trend as well so this is kind of the opposite of that this is a lot more a lot closer to to the wines of Francois Cotard maybe who uh, who makes wines and and in a very natural way, allowing them to, to ferment with the, the natural yeasts that are present, um, not using much sulfur during the winemaking process. Um, and as I say, fermenting and aging in, in barrels in this case, um, old barrels, so there's no like obvious oak influence, I don't think, yeah. rather than using a just a, a temperature-controlled stainless steel tank, which is, you know, as it sounds, quite a, quite a neutral and sterile container. This just allows more oxygen during the process to... to interact with the wine which gives a bit more complexity and more of that lees contact so made in a more a way that you'd expect in burgundy or or with white bordeaux for example but probably a bit less oak but um yeah i think um it's an example of of what can be achieved if you're really serious in the vineyards and the winery perfect and max what are your thoughts on this wine how are you finding it um, so you can got... see your glasses actually. <laughs> I know, I know. I'll give you a top up. I'll be, I'll be patiently uh, uh, listening to to Adam, who's the, the expert in the business uh, when it comes to the wine. Um, I'm more of a tourist, and then so actually, as a matter of fact, I, I haven't tried this wine before, so um, it, it came. And my my vision of Sancerre is probably as uh, as Adam said is is more a, a quaffing style of wine made in high level of production because the name itself sells the wine mm. anywhere in the world it's yeah. one of these branded region which seems to work very well so it takes a lot from a winemaker to actually pull back from the, the, the certainty of selling to to local co-op all these fruits and being paid to be fair a fairly high amount for making poor quality fruits mm. to, to actually pull back from that and then what's what's in that glass which is which is a kind of a it's an intellectual wine in in that it has persistence 
Uh, it mm. has a, a, a full body without being uh, viscous, you know, yes. but you can see yes. there's a presence in, in the glass, there's a presence on the nose and definitely in the mouth. It's almost tannic in a way. So you, mm. you, 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 there's a bit of a grip when you drink the wine, which shows to me that, you know, there's there's a huge amount of work um, in the winemaking and in the, in the vineyard to generate this kind of persistence in, in, in the glass. And it finishes, it's very elegant, it's very delicate. And, and the proof is in my glass, it just makes you want to go back to it. Yeah, and, uh, exactly. Um, so, yeah, pretty impressed. We've poured you another glass now. <laughs> yes, <so. laughs> You've said that the key varieties that you champion, like Chenin Blanc and Cabernet Franc, you see them as a great next natural step for lovers of both Bordeaux and Burgundy. What do you mean? I think uh, obviously you know the Loire Valley, as Adam says, is is a very very long and large region, you know, different kind of landscape and different grape varietals. But I think it is very well known for Sauvignon Blanc, and if you ask the majority of, of consumers, they will they will they will know Sancerre to an extent to to certain extent they will know Vouvray, but but um, and and Anjou from 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 maybe some rosé or some some kind of a cheaper end wines, but actually. What got me excited about the Loire Valley is, is the, the, the lesser talked about Chenin Blanc, which is obviously very crucial in Vouvray, but you don't know when you're buying a Vouvray that it is made of Chenin Blanc. And I think Chenin Blanc is incredible grape, and especially in, in the Loire Valley. And so is the Cabernet Franc. And I think the beauty with the Loire Valley is really sits very comfortably between the Burgundy and the border regions, both physically, but also in terms of the style. And, and that's what I think will lead them to become one of the, the, the fantastic um, high-end kind of a wine regions because Cabernet Franc has the potential to be very delicate, mm-hmm. uh, but also it, it's age-worthy. So it will it will probably age 20, 30 years without too much problem in the hands of um, the best um, the best makers. Mm. And, and Chenin as well has this incredible capacity to age, uh, but also he's, he's the grape which is both delicate but but more powerful be more like a chardonnay if you want it has capacity if you want to make something quite quite big and uh, and i think the the, the combination of the two will provide an, an extremely good balance in or, or medium middle ground i would say instead of balance between between Bordeaux and Burgundy. Mm. And Adam, you're such a huge advocate, you've already said, for the ageability of these wines. They have quite a stunning aging potential. And I believe you have quite a good story that involves a cave to back this up. <laughs> yeah, so um, there's a domain that we that we work with called Lamy de Lille Boucard, who are based in Bourgueil, who uh, make some really age-worthy wines it's a, a combination of families, as you can probably tell from the three names in the, the title. But um, Philippe Boucard, who is the sort of patriarch to a certain extent, is a good character. And um, whenever I book visits there, I know that it has to be kind of the last one of the day because it can go on in a very good way. The great thing about the, the area of around uh, Tours is that often the cellars tend to be cut into the limestone, the, mm-hmm. the tufo, um, and that's the case here. And you head down into the, sort of gently down a sloping ramp, but you kind of go down hairpins so it gets deeper and deeper. Past piles and piles of bottles, their policy is just to make every vintage, put it in the cellar, and then when it's ready, they'll release it. So until quite recently, they were still selling the 1976 because it was such a talent 
iconic vintage that it needed um, so long before before um, being released. But um, mm. we managed to pick up a parcel of 2009 at the end of last year as well, which was great, and some, some magnums of 2005. Every time I go there, there's always a great tasting. And, and I remember one, one year, Philippe announced we would do all the nines. So we, we tasted 2009, 99. 89, 79, oh 69, goodness. 59, 49, I think all the way back to 1919, which was great. It's always good to kind of take a trip back in memory, down memory lane and, and try and figure out what was going on at the time of those yeah. those wines um, being made. So it's it's great to drink history in that way and, and in a really convivial setting with someone very jovial who just will talk about <laughs> football and politics and everything. We just sort of sit there and put the world to rights. It's yes. so dark, you, you've got no idea what time it is outside. It's just, you know, it's it's a great experience. And it does show the ageability of these wines as well. Yeah, um, it's a complete testament to just how collectible they can be. And Max, you've said before that you're only at the start of your journey into discovering wines from the Loire, but are there any producers that you think people should be keeping their eye out for? For the moment, there is, it's the beginning of the story, I would say. The world is out there to discover the, obviously the, the new wineries and, and the new generation who's basically claiming back all these vineyards which were uh, basically sold to to local co-op mm-hmm. uh, and doing what, what exactly what we're showing today with the Sancerre, something a bit more special and and. Uh, for the longer term. So so there are plenty of wines out there. Uh, our job, Adam's job, uh, mine to, to a certain extent is to make sure we find those new wineries. And so we started this year by by bringing, obviously a, um, Adam already has quite a few um, properties uh, we, we're looking after, but we're trying to look more and more into who we can bring in. And uh, so we brought in a, a new winery called Arnaud Lambert, which uh, which um, has been recommended to me by by some friends in France, and uh, it's taken about three years to get them to uh, to even allow us to try their wine. So, um, and that wasn't to do with with COVID. Um, and Boss Adam and I were sitting in a tasting room and trying trying the wines about two or three months ago, and um, and we were just amazed by the quality the quality of the the, the red wines, um, um, Cabernet Franc, and obviously their Chenin Blanc, and they probably had about 10, 12 different cuvées. And the majority of them were absolutely fantastic. A lot of work to do, but I think they've got a huge amount of potential. Mm. So it is our job today to go out and and then find these new properties and and build them and bring them up Mm. uh, to to the consumer's attention. And Adam, how about you? What producers should we be on the lookout for? We've got a nice little group of Sancerre growers. Rifo is one of them. but also um, Daniel Chotar, it's, it's Simon Chotar who's taken over um, from his father and, and following a similar path to, to Stefan Rifo in terms of organic viticulture, single vineyards, looking outside of, of tanks for, for making his wine, using foudres and things like that. Alban Roblin as well in, in Sancerre is, is the same, converting to organic and doing more work on, on single vineyard wines and, and higher quality wines. Outside of Sauvignon Blanc, I think there are some people we've been working with for a little while who who are maybe not as well known to our customers as they should be. Um, Vincent Carême in Vouvray, I think, is mm-hmm. is really good. He's uh, somebody who is really well respected in the local area. He teaches a lot of young winemakers, the Lycée Viticole in Amboise, and he has a lot, of, a huge following. He's doing a lot to help local growers in the area to, to move away from selling their grapes to the co-op and, and to set themselves up. But his wines just get get better and better as well. Um, if you want Chenin Blanc, then um, then he's a good person to look at. 
I've spoken to both of you about how the rise of Loire wines can kind of be pinned to like the effects that global warming is having on the region. Max, can you tell us a little bit more about that? Well, I think this is exactly right in that, um, sadly, the Loire Valley is one of the uh, few winners in the, in, in the kind of a global warming battle. They used to produce wines where good or great vintages used to come once once or twice every every decades. And, and now we are at the stage where the regularity in producing great vintages is almost, you know, eight out of ten. Really? Um, and that in itself has given the opportunity for growers to uh, to sell their wines for a bit more money, uh, to find a new public, and also to then being able to reinvest mm-hmm. uh, into the vineyard. And as I was alluding earlier, when it's easy for them to sell to, to the local co-op and, and, and be effectively as, you know, uh, crop growers. Yeah. Uh, but but, uh, but investing into pulling back from that and investing into the winery takes um, a huge amount of risk. And the global warming and then obviously the, the fact that they can grow grapes more easily has helped them to produce better wines and get more money for it and reinvest. And then it's kind of a, a cycle. And that's why we as a business really believe in, in the Loire Valley has been the next uh, big thing over the next you know, 10, 20 years because the investments, uh, the new generation and the global warming mm. will obviously contribute to get um, uh, more serious wines onto the table. With this in mind, Adam, is vintage variation something that we should be paying attention to just as much as, say, Burgundy? Oh, definitely. I mean, possibly more so because it's a, a more marginal climate than, than Burgundy, even um, being a bit further to the north and being more influenced by, by proximity to the Atlantic. Yeah, I think it's interesting what Max was saying as well about the price of wines. And I think it's important that, that growers are able to, to sell their wines for a good price. And I think that's part of our job as well, to encourage them to, to be bold and be aspirational in terms mm. of their winemaking and it's still and very to, much in its infancy as a yeah region. and i think yeah. everyone i meet in the loire is very, they're all very humble and very very human and and modest and i think there's a lot of sort of established prices for a chinon or a bourgogne or whatever and i think there has to be um, a, a realization that if you're making a really high quality product there's a price that that comes with it and um i think these wines are still incredibly good value mm. um even even so and for wines for drinking now max you've kind of alluded to how well they pair with food what kind of things should we be pairing it with hopefully the ones we are selecting and and the future of the the Loire Valley means that the wines will be able to age um, a lot more so at the end of the day there will be very Burgundian in style Um, you know Mm. all Cabernet can can actually take that what we call Pinot so they they turn into kind of Pinot Noir note after 15-20 years and same with the Chenin Blancs and the Sancerre I think they will be in a fresh but but serious white wine so so you would associate these with with uh, the same pairing that you would do for for any of the the burgundy wines um, and especially you know light food fish food but but kind of creamy fish rather than the, uh, just of the grill and you know some some light duck for for the red for example mm. so there's plenty of um, light dishes that you would probably uh, associate with the wines rather than you know a, a big uh, a big steak that you would need to grill steak that you would need to put next to a, a fairly young bordeaux for example so so delicate wine delicate food is is really the way i would go for it so just to round things up, Max, as someone who's only just started embarking on his own Loire wine journey, could you give our listeners just one reason why they should take the first step on theirs? You know, when when I looked at Burgundy you know, 20, 30 years ago, people were trying to convince me that that was the, the place to uh, to buy wine from. And bearing in mind, I, I come from 
a border background. I did struggle at the beginning because mm. you needed to understand uh, the people, the wine, the grapes. But obviously, as, as it is proven today, uh, Burgundy is an extremely successful region and actually quite an expensive region to, to, to collect. And, and I think in the Loire Valley, we are very much... Uh, where we were 25 years ago with, with Burgundy, we, we are right at the beginning of the story. But I think all the elements, all the ingredients are there to make it a very successful story. And I think from con- the consumer's perspective, if, if you start to, to fill up your cellars with incredible Loire wines, uh, you'll be there to enjoy them and, and be quite schmirk about it in, mm. in about 20, <laughs> 30 years time where you just be thinking, you know what, I only pay £12.50 for that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and and that's, that's very exciting. And I think the quality of the wine is stupendous. And then, you know, Adam was talking about Bourgogne and Chinon. For me, Bourgogne and Chinon really resonated with, with bistro wines 20 years ago. But at the moment, uh, you know, for, from the wines that I'm starting to collect from these regions, I have discovered wines that have ageability potential, which is incredible. And uh, and I think, yeah, I think it's a, definitely a region to watch. Mm. And finally, Adam, if I had to press you for the biggest misconception people have about Loire wine, what would that be? I think it's probably that, uh, that people think that they're made for, for relatively early drinking. As Max mentioned earlier on, the Loire is often associated with Sauvignon Blanc and, and Sancerre or, or Turin Sauvignon. And I think the vast majority of what people see on the shelves is it's drunk within the, the first year or two of it being bottled. I think what I would say is probably that you need to look outside of that, look for high quality people, because even high quality people are pretty cheap relative to, to mm. other fine wine regions. Look at Chenin Blanc and, and Cabernet Franc and, and serious Sauvignon and put it in your cellar for a bit, give it a few years and see see how it evolves. Um, the ability for Chenin and um, Cabernet Franc to age um, is very surprising and, and I've, I've tasted some wonderful, some of the best wines I've ever had have, have been made from those two great varieties and have been seriously old, 1945s, 1911, things like that. And, and they were fresh as a daisy. Um, so <laughs> go for it. Brilliant. Well said. Well, all that remains for me to say is, Max, Adam, thank you so much for sharing your knowledge with me and your stories today in these wonderful surroundings. And thank you for coming on the podcast. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Drinking Well, a podcast by Berry Brothers and Rudd. If you'd like to browse the producers mentioned in today's podcast and see what wines we have available, visit bbr.com forward slash podcast. Or if you're interested in starting your fine wine collection with Berry Brothers and Rudd, all the information you need can be found on bbr.com forward slash collecting. Now, if you've enjoyed this episode or you've been enjoying the podcast in general, do leave us a review wherever you get your podcasts. We hope to welcome you back soon, but until then, thank you again for listening to this episode of Drinking Well.